This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Ah, yes, a victory Monday edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Good to be hanging out after a long weekend of lots of food for Thanksgiving. It culminates with a Sunday win for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-9 over those San Francisco 49ers. I am your humble and well-fed host, and uh, you can't see me, but I am smiling right now on the podcast after the Buccaneers snap their losing streak, get a fourth win of the season, and we've got much to go over. There were lots of highlights from Sunday, history-making highlights for the franchise on Sunday, and victory is always a good thing, especially when we head to the month of December coming up, and the five games that remain in the NFL regular season The Carolina Panthers will be the opponent coming up this week. It'll be the second of three home games. We're going to say this several times. Huge next two weekends now for the Bucs. Dare I say, listen, you got to win games. And and the only thing you can do is win the next one. The Bucs have won a game with San Francisco that puts them now at 4-7 and on the season. You win next week, you now are lurking around the playoff conversation. That's next week. What we have for you on this edition of the podcast is a recap of the win over the 49ers with highlights upcoming uh, from Jameis Winston, who returned to the starting lineup, Mike Evans, Jason Pierre-Paul, a record-setting Sunday, the number one pick, Vita Vea, making one impact player uh, play after another on Sunday. So there's a lot to go over there. Then we'll go inside that locker room. You'll hear from some of those Buccaneers that were able to make some things happen on Sunday in this matchup uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. And then a special guest will be here. Looking forward to talking with former Buccaneer great, now Fox Sports broadcaster Rondé Barber. He and Kenny Albert were on the television call of the Buccaneers' win over the 49ers. And this is only fitting because Rondé has recently been named a Hall of Fame semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the second consecutive year, one of the 25 guys to make it to the final ballot. He's as decorated a Buccaneer as there is. I mean, we're going to go over this in the conversation with him. Nobody has played more games in Buccaneer history than Rondé Barber. No one has started more games than Rondé Barber. No one has more interceptions then 2-0, no one has more defensive touchdowns than the guy that we're going to talk to on Nothing But Bucks. But I, I will talk to him about the Hall of Fame, but I want to hear more about what he saw coming off of Sunday out of the Bucks, out of Jameis Winston, uh, the offense getting rolling, about uh, Vita Vea and how well he played in this game. Jason Pierre-Paul and the, the attitude that he brings, the Buccaneer defense in general with that pass rush. So again, Rondé Barber with us as the podcast rolls on here on Nothing But Bucks. So that kind of sets the uh, the stage for what happened on Sunday and what we're looking forward to over the next five games again, beginning with Carolina at home. The second of three home games will be coming this Sunday at Raymond James Stadium at 1 o'clock. Let's get into the highlights here of the game on Sunday where the Bucks came in limping. There's no question uh, about that. Tampa Bay on a four-game losing streak went Back to Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback. Well-documented story during the week that after the way Winston played in the second half of the game with the Giants, the narrow 38-35 loss where Winston led not one, not two, not three, but four touchdown drives in the second half. It made sense to go back to the former number one overall pick. The 49ers, meanwhile, came in off a bye week. They had gone to a third-string quarterback in Nick Mullins, a former quarterback at Southern Miss, a quarterback that played for Todd Munkin, the Bucs' offensive coordinator, when Munkin was the head coach at Southern Miss. And so Mullins had won a game on a Thursday night with the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, had then lost on the Monday night football game when Eli Manning and the Giants uh, rallied in the final minutes to win that game. So the San Francisco had the week off. This would be Mullins' first road game. And so we get into these highlights here, and right off the bat for the Buccaneers, they're able to get a stop of Mullins. The Bucs had the ball first and had to punt on a three and out, but they're able to get a stop on Mullins. Uh, actually, there was a strip sack in the backfield by Carl Nassib, uh, Nassib uh, able to knock the ball out. Bucks couldn't fall on it, so it ends up that San Francisco has to punt. They punt, and the Buccaneer offense gets rolling on their second possession, taking over at the 27-yard line. The big play, a long play to Mike Evans for 42 yards down the near sideline on third and eight. 
as Winston looked good with that deep ball uh, down the right sideline. It eventually put the Bucks down at the San Francisco 18. Uh, then Peyton Barber slammed down for 14 yards inside the five-yard line. And two plays later, our first of the highlights, Winston looking for a familiar target. Winston in the shotgun with Jaquiz Rogers on his right hip. Here's the snap he's going to throw. Looks toward the end zone, flushed out of the pocket. He's flushed and he throws the ball down. Pong ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. It's Cameron Brait. Love me some Cameron Brait, the former undrafted player out of Harvard. Kudos to him on the catch, just keeping it alive in the back of the end zone. You'll hear him talking about that touchdown in a little bit here on Nothing But Bucks. As he stayed alive, as Winston scrambled, it's a two-yard touchdown, and the Buccaneers now with a 7-0 lead based on a seven-play, 73-yard drive. And really, as the first quarter unfolded, both teams having possessions, but the Buccaneers' defense playing with the lead, able to stymie the 49ers uh, over and over again in that first quarter. In fact, they forced San Francisco to punt the football three times uh, in that first quarter. Now, finally, the 49ers uh, able to get something going here in the second quarter of the game. Mullins puts together a couple of good passes. They end up going 79 yards in nine plays, and that results in San Francisco's lone touchdown of the game. And Breida goes in motion, so the backfield is empty for quarterback Nick Mullins. Here's the snap. Mullins pressure coming. It's the pass with a caught ball at the five-yard line to the 3-2-1. Touchdown, Dante Pettit. Big six-foot, one-inch, second-year receiver out of Washington. Mullins to Dante Pettis for 13 yards on that touchdown. Pulled the 49ers within one. But then veteran kicker Robbie Gold missing the extra point off the right upright. He's been one of the most reliable kickers in the NFL for going on uh, close to 15 years with the Chicago Bears and now with the 49ers. So the extra point miss means the Buccaneers maintain the lead. Hey, here's a hint on nothing but Bucks. It's a lead that the Bucs never relinquished in this game and continued to build on. Uh, the Bucs get the ball back, go on a march themselves, 12 plays, 53 yards. It eventually results in this. 41-yard field goal, dear side hash. Cairo Santos, first field goal attempt, puts total leather, line drive thing, and it is good. He's perfect in his Buccaneer career. Fire the cannon three times. The Bucks lead 10 to 6. Cairo Santos, money for the second game in a row. Perfect on all his kicks. That field goal from 41 yards out was the first field goal he's kicked now for the Buccaneers. Had the five extra points at the Meadowlands last week. Had the early extra point in this game. Kicks the 41-yarder there. You've got a little breathing room again at 10-6. And yes, the Buccaneer defense put things back together and began to play well uh, on the next drive. And this is uh, when things cranked up, uh, in particular with the pass rush and a little bit of history here. Mullins will take the snap. Play action fake, dropping to throw, looks up, he's going to be sacked, dropped by Pierre Paul. He reaches double figures in sacks for the first time since Simeon Rice. Oh, the Hall of Famer, Mean Gene Deckerhoff on the call as Jason Pierre Paul becomes the first Buck since Simeon Rice in 2005 to end up with 10 or more sacks in a season now, 10 and a half sacks to this point in the 2018 season. Still five games to go for JPP. Tip of the hat to him. What a great job uh, he has done in being able to rush the quarterback, the leadership he's provided for that defensive line. The Buccaneers again swarming uh, here with, uh, with the defensive pass rush, especially in that first half. So San Francisco ends up uh, suffering that sack. They end up having to give the ball back to the Buccaneers and uh, and punt the ball away. And as they do, Jameis Winston leads another drive in the two-minute offense. Bucks use their timeouts. He's able to uh, complete a couple passes, one to Cameron Brait for nine yards, another one to Chris Godwin for 10 yards, again to Brait for 11 yards. And the Bucks move into scoring range. And just before halftime, Cairo Santos reliable again. 39-yard field goal attempt. The hole by Brian Anger will be at the 29. This is a little bit longer than a point after drive. Good snap. The spot. The kick is airborne, and it is good. Tampa Bay Buccaneers fire them cannons three times. The Bucks lead by seven. It's 13 to six. The important score there because it pushed the lead to a touchdown at 13 to six going to intermission. I talked with Coach 
Dirk Cutter walking to that locker room. I said, what are you the most impressed with out of this first half? And he said, defensively, we're on it. We're tackling. We're staying in front of their guys. We're getting pass rush on Mullins. He was happy with that. And he was happy in particular with the composure of Jameis Winston. Jameis, 18 of 24 in the opening half and leading the three scoring drives, including the two-minute offense. You, you can't say enough about how smooth he looked, uh, how he didn't try to do too much and force balls in, and uh, did a great job with that. Now, coming out of the locker room, the 49ers would move into scoring position on their opening drive. They had gone some 78 yards to move inside the Buccaneer 5 and down to the 1, but they tried on 2nd and 1 to have Matt Breida, their running back, who went over 100 yards in the game to score. He stuffed. Third and one, Mullins tried the up-and-over quarterback sneak, but Vita Vea in there along with Adarius Taylor and a couple of others. They stymie Mullins, so now it's fourth and one, and San Francisco was slated to go for it, but they get a false start penalty on the tight end, Greg Kittle. So now they decide, okay, we're not going to go for it on fourth and goal at the six-yard line. We're going to kick the field goal, and Robbie Gold banged that through. So, uh, again, give uh, give the 49ers the three points, but give the Buck defense credit. Rondé Barber is going to talk more about this later on on Nothing But Bucks, but that's a key moment. You keep them out of the end zone. The game is not tied. You give yourself some life, some momentum. The defense is certainly hyped after what they did. And then the offense picked right back up. When you talk about complementary football, that's the offense, the defense, picking each other up, working together, working in tandem. Bucks did a great job on this Sunday of complimentary football because here the defense was able to make the stop and not allow the 49ers to get the seven points, hold them to the field goal, and the offense immediately picked right up where they had left off in the first half, marched right down the field, 75 yards after the touchback in six plays. Again, it's Winston going long to Mike Evans for 34 yards. And uh, eventually... Peyton Barber runs for five. He runs for seven more. Uh, They get a pass interference call with Witherspoon, the defensive back, holding Deshaun Jackson on a long one. Bucks move inside the five-yard line, and Peyton Barber does the rest here. Eau Claire shifts in motion as a tight end. I formation with an H-back. Allen Cross handoff to Barber. Left side is close. He's got a touchdown, Tampa Bay. Had the H-back in motion. Fire them cannons. The Bucks score a TD on our first possession of the third quarter. That two-yard touchdown again gives the Bucks a cushion. It's Barber's third rushing touchdown of the season. And Tampa Bay back in front now by 11 points at 20-9 and feeling good about the way their defense uh, had been playing and would continue to play, including the rookie, the first-round pick out of Washington, Vita Vea. Uh, Again, this is a a young player who did not have any preseason game action, no real training camp, had a calf injury that sidelined him some seven weeks before he began to fully practice in the first couple of weeks of the season, was only active starting in the Chicago game. Well, Vea showed up early and often in this contest. Here's the snap to Mullins, looking up here, looking up. He's going to be lassoed, then Pierre-Paul gets him. Jason Pierre-Paul and Vita Vea. They meet at the quarterback and drop it. So that's back-to-back bank-bank plays by Vita Vea, our rookie. Yeah, he was part of that quarterback sack. It ended up being a full sack for Vea, uh, sacking Nick Mullins in that instance. And again, Vea finishes with the sack, also had three other tackles for loss, had another had another play on a screen pass, whereas a defensive tackle, he goes rumbling down the line of scrimmage and makes a tackle. I believe it was on uh, Brita out of the backfield. May have been a small receiver out of the backfield. Great athletic play from him. Again, the Buccaneer defense all over San Francisco. They take the 20-9 cushion into the fourth quarter, and Jameis Winston would lead another touchdown drive. This one at the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, would be a 10-play, 85-yard drive, culminating early fourth quarter right here. Cameron breaks to the left. Here's the snap. Winston has protection. It starts to break down. Rolling to his right. He throws the ball against his body. Wide open. Adam Humphreys to the 10. To the 5. Humphreys to the 3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Adam Humphreys. Fire the cannons. Again, Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and I on the broadcast on Buccaneers Radio, where you find these highlights on nothing but Bucks. Adam Humphreys, how good has that guy been throughout his career, but specifically over the last four or five weeks of football, another solid day from him, another touchdown scored for Humphreys, and the Bucks now in complete command at 27-9 in this one. 
you just you you got the sense being down that San Francisco is not going to be able to overcome 18 points here in the fourth quarter. Mullins doesn't have the arm strength and the downfield arm to make it happen. Uh, and eventually here the Bucks put on more pressure on Mullins. Vita Vea coming up uh, with the sack for a seven-yard loss. We played you that highlight earlier. Uh, they end up having to punt. Buccaneers pick up a first down, run some of the clock. Uh, then San Francisco gets the ball back again with about 10 minutes left. The score still 27-9. And you know, so much is being made about lack of turnovers from the Buccaneer defense. The fact that the Buck defense had only overall forced five on the season. One special teams takeaway, five defensive takeaways, and only one interception. We talked on the pregame coverage uh, coming into this game. And sometimes they happen in bunches. You get the pass rush on a quarterback. You get him rattled. You can start making plays the interceptions. That's exactly what would happen here with San Francisco driving late in the game. The snap, play action fake, bootleg roll to his right, throws the ball toward the end zone. It is intercepted. It's picked off in the end zone by a Buccaneer. Brian Smith has the first Buccaneer takeaway in a, two months. Ryan Smith gets the second interception of the season for the Buccaneers, the first one uh, since going back to week three and the Pittsburgh Monday night game. Nullifies the drive. Buccaneers able to run some clock at that point and basically putting this game away. San Francisco got it one last time. Mullins tried to get them into scoring range. And sometimes the turnovers, they do come in pairs or bunches. Here's the snap and Mullins throws over the middle. It's an inco- It's intercepted at the 10-yard line. Two takeaways of the game. And Isaiah Johnson has his first career pick. They come in bunches, don't they? They do. And it's Isaiah Johnson with that interception. Congratulations to him for coming down with the pick. Buccaneers do not turn it over. Have two takeaways in the game, plus two in the turnover margin. Thumbs up on a 27-9 complete victory when this one was uh, was all said and done. Now, one more highlight here. I mentioned some history for Jason Pierre-Paul earlier, and I teased this about Mike Evans. Didn't have the highlight in the game context, but let's go back to the first half of this contest where Mike Evans made a little Buccaneer and NFL history. Here's the snap out of the gun. Looking, they run a stunt. Winston throws a pass downfield. It's a caught ball of the 40. First down, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Catched by Mike Evans. He has his 1,000-yard season. Needed one more yard, and he got a lot more. 13 matches his number, and the Bucs move the change. It's first and 10. With that catch, Mike Evans over 1,000 yards for the fifth consecutive season to start his career. Only the fourth player in NFL history to join that, including Randy Moss, who just gone to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was the first to do it. Five straight 1,000-yard seasons. Mike Evans joins that elite company. Uh, more than uh, than showing uh, what greatness he has inside of him. His sixth 100-yard receiving game on the season already with still five games left. Pro Bowl season right now for Mike Evans. 116 yards on the six grabs. Didn't have a touchdown. Had that 42-yard catch in the first half. Two or three huge catches on third down for this team. Uh, again, demonstrating he's one of the best weapons, especially on third down and for big plays in the National Football League. Thumbs up to Mike Evans on the win and thumbs up to the Buccaneers again snapping the losing streak getting in the win column let's go to our conversations on the Hooters postgame show and begin with quarterback Jameis Winston 29 of 38 312 yards most importantly playing with that composure that we saw no interceptions had the two touchdown passes here's the Bucks QB a 29 of 38 day, 312 yards and two touchdowns. The win is the most important thing, a complete victory. Uh, why was this team so good beginning to end today, Jameis? Uh, you know, first of all, I'd just like, like to thank God for having, you know, the blessing to play again. Uh, but, I mean, we play great football. And when you once you execute and you protect the football and you get turnovers on defense, that's that's how you lead the wins. There were several keys today. One of them is you put together a touchdown drive in the third quarter that that capped off with Peyton Barber scoring from two yards out. How important was that for attitude, for cushion on the lead, et cetera? Uh, I think it was it was great for our momentum. Uh, defense had did a great job of holding them to three in the previous drive. That was a very, very long uh, opening drive that they had, and uh, and we came up on the good side. So we got to credit that to the defense for giving us a ball and only allowing them to score three points. And uh, Payne Barber, man, he just keeps showing up every week because of our, our hard work and relentless offensive linemen. 
That was a six-play, 75-yard drive to answer their score with a touchdown. You later in the game in the fourth quarter early on got one to Adam Humphreys for a touchdown. He did some of it after the catch. But, my goodness, describe what you saw rolling out there and firing back over the middle. I just saw a wide open Adam Humphreys. He, like he, he always does that. Like you said, he always finds a way to get open, and, uh, and he did, it, did the rest when he caught the ball with his legs. You played with a lot of composure. You kept your eyes downfield. Uh, how relaxed were you as this game went on? Because you appeared to be very composed as the game rolled off. Well, I mean, that's, that's just how it is. You know, when things are going good, you want to keep it that way, but you never want to get too high, you never want to get too low. And when things are going bad, you want, you never want to get too low and you never want to get too high. So uh, our, our main goal right now is to uh, look at the film, see how we can improve from this game, and uh, come back and repeat the same thing next week. And one more, Mike Evans goes over 1,000 yards for the fifth consecutive season, four of those with you. Just say something about him overall, and he was good again today with another 100-yard catch day. Uh, I, I think he's one of the best receivers in the game. Uh, again, I'm grateful to have him as a teammate, and I'm grateful that uh, I get to get a chance to throw him the ball because he's definitely made me better. Uh, I hope I just do my part to continue to, to allow him to shine and, and do his thing. And Winston, very much thankful. I can tell you from talking to him and looking at that face, I mean, he understands. He's got humility about all of this. He's back in the starting lineup. You take the win. Buccaneers get yet another home victory, their third one of the season. So Jameis was uh, was obviously thrilled with that. Another guy that was very happy, Cameron Braid. He's arguably the favorite target of Winston. How many times have they hooked up over and over again, especially in the red zone for touchdowns over the last four seasons? Braid finishing three catches, 26 yards on the first quarter touchdown in this game. I spoke with him in our Hooters postgame show coverage. This was a pretty complete victory, maybe the most complete victory of the season. How and why were you guys so good as a team today? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, first and foremost, um, you got to say the defense played great. I mean, the Niners' backs were against the wall uh, the whole game. It seemed like they were always in third and extra long. Um, so I think the defensive line kind of controlled the tempo of the game. Um, obviously, having no turnovers and also getting two interceptions uh, was huge for us. Some, uh, like the whole year, we've been minus in the turnover uh, battle every game. So uh, to finally win one, uh, I think is probably the main reason why we were able to win the game. Okay, all the way back in the first quarter, you caught a touchdown pass from Jameis Winston. Seems like old times. He's finding you in the back of the end zone in the red zone. Describe the play. Um, yeah, it was just uh, pretty much just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, basically just find a way to get open. Um, and James did a nice nice job behind some time. He scrambled to the right, um, kind of just kept working with the quarterback, and he was able to put a good ball on me. He was able to hold on. Uh, it's just something we always practice. Uh, something Coach Monk always says, uh, scrambles, our number one play in our offense, um, just always works out that way. Uh, pocket collapses, quarterback's going to be you know, rolling out looking for guys. So it's something we always work on, and we able to hit a couple of them today. The one to Adam was the same way. We have asked you about this on many occasions. You talked about it this week. The extra work after practice, not just this season, but for the last three or four years, how beneficial is that in situations like that scramble where you've worked with this guy countless times after practice on route depth, get open, that kind of stuff? Right, it's just all, all feel. And, uh, and trust down there in the red zone because the windows are going to be really tight. Uh, it's usually going to be some sort of man coverage. So, you know, James has a lot of faith in me to get open down there. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a, a testament to all the work we put in the past couple of years. And one more for this team, uh, you know, again, a confidence builder for Jameis Winston, too. I mean, he's played a lot of great games, but he played very composed today, accurate, 29 of 38, leads uh, you guys again to three more touchdown drives and 27 total points. Just say something about the way the offense clicked and the way that Jameis settling back in as a starter play. Uh, I thought Jameis was awesome. Um, you know, he even the nine incompletions he had, I'm, he hits, you know, I would say probably almost 100% of those throws. Uh, I, I'm sure he wishes he had some of those back. Uh, I thought he played great. Um, obviously, he gave the receivers a chance to make some plays downfield, uh, but he didn't. He didn't put us in a situation where we were the ball was going to be in the air at all, you know, 50-50 ball or anything like that, uh, which is why we, we didn't turn the ball over. Um, I thought the offensive line did a great job. Uh, it seemed like he always had pretty clean pocket, and uh, like you said, this is just kind of a building building block. Hopefully, we can uh, build off this and, and get something going here. Part of a Buccaneer day where five different receivers caught at least three passes, whether that be Braid or Deshaun Jackson with three of them, Jacquez Rogers with four of them, Chris Godwin with four. Actually, it's six total that had at least three catches. Adam Humphreys, Mike Evans with six each. And the Buccaneers uh, devastated San Francisco in the pass game throughout this contest. 
So uh, again, give a lot of credit uh, to them. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We mentioned Vita Vea. I enjoy talking with him uh, whenever we get the chance for the rookie first-round pick out of Washington, the mammoth defensive tackle. Really uh, played his best game as a Buccaneer, but better than me saying that, uh, we're going to hear Rondé Barber say more about that. We're going to hear the head coach say some about it here in just a minute, but Rondé Barber later on in the podcast. Here's the Bucks rookie defensive tackle. The, the way this team played a complete game, almost a statement game, uh, say something about the way that this thing went today, uh, a decisive win. Shoot. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. You know, just just great. You, uh, you in particular, we saw some plays, especially as this game wore on. The defensive line was having a lot of success. Let's talk about the line and, and the uh, the job that you guys did against them. Uh, just hustling to the ball, you know, just uh, Coach Buck always tells us just run, you know, just they just keep it simple, you know, um, don't make it too hard on yourself. Um, uh, it's just simple, running the ball. Hey, uh, one thing that has been stressed is you didn't have a training camp, you didn't have preseason, you didn't play your first game until week four. Not making excuses, but you've begun to obviously play more, get more into football shape and game speed. How much, not that it's easy, but how much easier has it become in the last two or three weeks because you've played a bunch now over the last couple months? Uh, shoot, it's just been really great. You know, um, just really fun coming out there and just... Uh, you know, just competing every week. Hey, for this team, I know offense did a lot of this. Uh, how much better does it make it for a defense? It's obvious that when you have a lead, it's good. But how much better does it make it when you're up by two scores? It's the fourth quarter, the crowd's in the game, et cetera. Uh, it, just, it, just, um, it just makes everyone, like, hyped, you know, and just, uh, and just, uh, just makes everything fun, you know, going out there and competing. Um, you know, every week is fun for us going out there and play, uh, going out there and playing. So, um, you know, going out there and playing today and getting that win makes it much, that much better. He's within earshot of us. Jason Pierre-Paul just became the first Buccaneer since 2005 to have 10 or more sacks in a season. And we still got f five more games to go after this one. What is it like to be around that veteran, a guy that's been in the Pro Bowl, a guy that's won a Super Bowl? What's it like in the meeting room, the practice field, and on Sundays? Shoot, he's balling. You know, it's... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> getting it done? <laughs> He's getting it done. Check. Uh, make sure you guys check out Bo's uh, new attire. But no, uh, you know he's been uh, really great to be around and stuff like that. Yeah, again, you've got to be very encouraged uh, with the sack, with uh, Vea also with three other tackles for loss. It was all over the stat sheet, and uh, and making his presence felt. He is a handful uh, in the middle of that defense and and starting to develop. Uh, into a better player than what we have seen coming around some. And again, more from Rondé Barber in a little bit. Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, again, acquired in the trade from the New York Giants in the offseason. What would he have left in the tank? What would he be able to do? Well, Pierre-Paul has been brilliant. He's been outstanding as a pass rusher. And he clips the 10-sack in a season mark for the Buccaneers. Double-digit sacks for the first time since Simeon Rice. Great category to be in. So on our Hooters postgame show, we were talking with Jason Pierre-Paul. I got a microphone in there with the media, started asking some questions. And then someone, a fellow line mate, decided to jump in on the interview. So we get a two-for-one on our Hooters postgame show with JPP and another Buccaneer defensive lineman whose voice you'll recognize. I just think, uh, I just think my, my, work, you know, my work effort says a lot. You know, uh, Everybody see it. Um, I'm always a guy that, that always loved to work and, you know, come out here, I just love the game of football. And I play it with fun, man. And that's, that's just what it is. You know, of course you're going to make a mistake and, you know what I mean, you're not, sometimes you're not going to get the right call or whatever. But at the end of the day, just have fun with it. And I told the guys that and that's what we're having fun. Have you ever met or talked to Never, never met. Second week in a row, you got banged up. How's the knee feeling uh, for this game? I'm good. Oh. I'm okay. Sorry. But I'm okay, man. Uh, I always say, as long as I finish the game, I'm okay, man. Uh, if I can't go, I'm not going to go. But I'm not that type of guy. I'm always put myself first out there, and, you know, I, it's all for a team. You know, uh, that's just me. You know, even with the banged up knee, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's just a mindset, man. That's just number but simple pain. That's it. Jason, we're live on the Buccaneers Radio Network. We missed the answer about getting the 10th sack, which is the first time since 2005. Can you repeat again? What does it mean to have accomplished that? 
I forgot what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a <big> deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. It's pretty cool. Uh, there you go. There you go. Listen. Oh, been here long, right here. I've been here a long time. Okay. And for me to see this happen is very special. He's gonna play it, downplay it. I'm not. Very special, something we haven't seen in a long time, man. This dude deserve everything coming his way, and I love him. Appreciate yeah, it. I love to see it. He did. Actually, Jared was the, the most emotional I kinda one. I kind of got emotional yeah. when he got his 10 seconds. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you. Yeah. I, and then he just, got one after that. <laughs> yeah. How much of this is just kind of the brotherhood along the defensive line? Obviously, you've been in it, but to have him come along and, and you're all in it for each other. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what the, that's what everything. Dang, did I just jump in his interview? No, 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 no. Hey, no, yeah, you no, know, I just, brother. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no it's but, just we. That's what we do it for. We always play. If you notice, when they introduce us today, what do we do today? We came out as a unit. Yeah. That's just who we are. That's what we're gonna be moving forward. And that was the difference today, man. We just play as a unit. Play for the man next to you, not selfishly. And yeah. when the man next to you eat, it makes Everybody you feel that much better. You yeah. know, so that's why I got emotional when I seen him get that ten sack. Cause it's, I just wanted somebody to get. I don't care who get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But for him to come in. Honestly, I'm just be real for him to get treated like he got treated in the offseason. I'm glad he's with us. Yeah. I appreciate it, Joe. Jason, was this the most complete victory of the season? Man, victory is a victory. I don't care if it was complete, halfway. You know, we got it. You know, we on the Carolina, and that's what's up with us. You know, um, and they're coming in strong, and we coming, and we coming strong, too. It's our house, so. You know, uh, we should have the home field advantage, and we are, we want most definitely we need every fan out. You know, it was kind of empty out there today, but still love the fan support. But we need everybody here. You know what I mean? If we want to do it, we got to do it. Everybody just can't, you know, if we're losing, you know, take off. But we need everybody here, and, and that's what's going to help us win. And I can tell you from standing there, give credit uh, where it's. I mean, Jason Pierre Paul uh, was standing there trying to be humble, and it was it was Gerald McCoy showing you what a, a brotherhood, as he described it, it is with those defensive linemen. He wanted to jump in and say a few words about JPP, what he's meant, and what the defensive line as a unit has been able to do as the sacks continue to pile up. Remember, this Buccaneer team was last in the NFL sacks a year ago. You're right now in the mid-range of sacks, which is good improvement, and Jason Pierre-Paul is one of the top sack guys in the NFL with 10.5 of them now coming uh, on the season and still five games to go. And uh, Gerald McCoy uh, standing there almost had a tear in his eye when he was talking to us about how much it meant. that He was emotional about all of this. So, Again, uh, credit to the Bucks for the job that they were able to do in neutralizing the 49ers, especially that, that goal line stop on second and goal and third and goal and then forcing the 49ers to kick the field goal early in the third and the sacks and the two interceptions at the end. Complete performance, and as you can imagine, a happy head coach, Dirk Cutter, and I had to uh, talk about this victory, and he had a smile on his face on Sunday. 27-9 is the final. Same question I posed to some other guys. Was this the, the most complete win of this season, the way you did what you did today? Well, we played well in all phases. You know, we our, our kicking game was solid today. Our defense, you hold anybody in the NFL to nine points. That's an accomplishment. And then offensively, 27 and, and no turnovers. Winning the turnover battle, I think I think as far as a complete team win, that's that's the best we've had, yes. The 49ers, we talked to you at halftime, they come out and this may get lost in the in the grand scheme of what happened in the second half. They have an opportunity inside the one-yard line with a couple of cracks. Your defense is able to stop them. They don't get seven. They only get three. You then get the ball and go down and get seven. How big of a momentum swing were those two situations? Yeah, we wanted to start that second half strong, and we went out there and held them, and then we had that penalty at, on, on third down that gave them their first first down. They put a few plays together. If they would have got a touchdown there, I think that, that would have maybe shifted the momentum a little bit before we even touched the ball. But uh, it's hard to stop an NFL team on the one-yard line, and uh, that was a great job by our defense doing it. And then it was a good job answering by the offense. All right, we're going to talk about some players individually and a lot of superlatives. Let's start with Jameis Winston, who, again, was 29 of 38 in the game, his third 300-yard game of the season. Uh, when At field level, what do I know? Looking at it, he played with composure, kept his eyes downfield. What did you see out of your quarterback's play today? I thought Jameis played an excellent game. He, he, uh, he made the plays he should make. He scrambled when he needed to scramble. 
he made really good decisions with the football all day, all day long. And so uh, decision-making was key for Jameis, and uh, he put the ball on the money. There's a couple throws you'd, you'd always like to have back, but also he made a couple plays that, that were off script, that th those are all Jameis making plays on his own. So I thought, I thought Jameis played a heck of a game and, and showed why he, he uh, has the talent to be one of the best in the league when he plays like that. Another guy that goes in that category of one of the best in the league is Mike Evans. Sixth 100-yard game of his season, fifth straight year with 1,000 yards uh, receiving to start his career. Only three other guys have done that. Just say something about the way he played today and what he means to this offense. Well, you just said it. I mean, five straight thousand-yard seasons, and only three guys in the history of the league have done it. So that says a lot, right there. Uh, Mike getting that big play on our first touchdown drive—that that really got us going. I mean, that that was probably the play of the day. And uh, you know, Mike to Mike was—he's uh, he's always coming through for us. And I thought our receivers in general uh, played a good game. Uh, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys—we just we missed Deshaun a couple times when we had him, unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike always comes up big. Uh, another guy, Jason Pierre-Paul, who becomes the first Buck since 2005 to go over 10 sacks in a season and still five games to go. We've asked you about him a lot, but he, he keeps showing up, made another huge effort today, including battling back from injury. What about his play today and really all season, Coach? Well, just to put that in perspective, JPP didn't take one snap in practice this week. He was out the whole week, uh, was nursing multiple injuries and then to go out there and and give it up like he does on game day and, and get the sack it's a big monkey off everybody's back the whole 10 sack thing that's something that's uh you know i know been kind of hanging over everybody's head for a while and so the so that part's that part's awesome but jpp i think what he does is he invigorates the rest of the d-line uh carl nassib vita Vea easily had his best game of the season today was you could see you could see the the number one pick in vita Vea today and then I, like i said i thought in the first half i thought carl nassib was was uh, everywhere and we haven't even talked about gerald mccoy yet so uh jpp PP has brought a lot to our team. You read my mind on Vita Veo. Something that uh, Gerald just interjected when we were talking to JPP a minute ago is they are a unit. He called it a brotherhood. They even wanted to be introduced as a defensive line when we had the introductions uh, and Gerald McCoy got introduced last. Everybody ran out there with him. What does that say for the camaraderie of that unit? And, and it obviously is translating with their production, too. Yeah, well, I'm proud of all the guys that have hung together in you know a somewhat of a disappointing season, and the guys have hung in there. And wins are not easy to come by, and the guys competed hard today. And uh, it, it was they they get rewarded by playing a clean football game. We get the W. All right, and one more. It is a victory. I know you're going to tell me that, but it's a victory that gets you a win in the first of three home games. And so now you get two division opponents coming right after this victory. And obviously it can give you some momentum. It should give you some momentum for this week and the next two weeks, right? Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, we're, we got Carolina next week. And, you know, obviously when you play these teams twice in your division, uh, and you know you you get beat by them the first time. That it's a little extra motivation for the guys. And uh, I know, we always we always play tough within our division, and and uh, we feel like we we're in the best division in football. And our uh, you know guys are going to enjoy this one for 24 hours, and we'll start worrying about Carolina. Coach, thank you. Congratulations. All right, thanks. As you can imagine, a pleasant Sunday night, as he was saying. Enjoy it for 24 hours. Now get ready for Carolina. And look. Uh, this is the truth, and I'll, I'll probably say this again before we close out. It is a win, and San Francisco is one of the worst teams in the league. That's a given. But you know what you do? We're going to talk about this with Rondé Barber here in just a second. You you bop bad teams. You beat the bad teams, and the Bucks decisively beat the 49ers on Sunday. That's what they were supposed to do. If you want to climb back into the NFC playoff race, which is going to take a ton of work, it's going to take two huge performances in the next two weeks. It had to start with something, and it started with an impressive performance against San Francisco. Let's see if the Bucs can build on that as they're now 4-7 and seven on the season with five games remaining. All right, without further delay, better than me continuing uh, to give you my thoughts and my insight uh, on this, I'd rather hear from the guy that was working the game on Fox with Kenny Albert. Let's go now on nothing but Bucks to a special guest uh, a, a voice that you're going to recognize, sit back, and enjoy, Rondé Barber. Oh, as advertised, I've been looking forward to getting the chance to talk to this gentleman. Got a chance to see him on Sunday for the Buccaneers and the 49ers. Does a great job with the NFL on Fox coverage. He and Kenny Albert on their crew 
were in town for the win by the Bucks over the 49ers. Always good to have Rondé Barber on. We've done this once or twice before. Thank you for agreeing to hop on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. And let's just start right at the beginning. Impressive win for the Buccaneers. Yes, San Francisco struggling, but look, you're supposed to take care of business at home, and the Bucks were impressive. At least that's what I thought. That's what I've been talking about. I'd love to have your take. Welcome, sir. Well, it's always good to be on with you, TJ. Anytime, whenever you need me, you know that. <laughs> but yes, I agree. Uh, this was a game that came in feeling that they should have won, and, and they did. It, it was a couple of points in the game where you know, San Francisco had a chance to get back in it. That goal line stand, I don't think you can talk about this football game without talking about those four plays down on the goal line or three plays down on the goal line where they held them, and then fortunately they got the false start. San Francisco decided to kick the field goal, but that would have made it a 13-13 game. And and who knows? That kid Nick Mullins, the quarterback for San Francisco, is a little bit of a gamer. Uh, just the film that I watched going into that, he finds ways to keep his team in, even though he's not what you would call overly talented. Uh, but he's a good quarterback. But you know, that being said, the credit goes to to, to the defense today, uh, or, or you know, for on that game on Sunday. Um, I thought they played really well. They were consistent. Um, they got a great push up front. We had a bunch of Vita Vea sightings, uh, which was nice to see. And the pass rush showed up. You know, we know what JPP has been all season long. First guy double digit sacks and since I was playing. Um, and then Carl Nassib, he continues to shine for me. I, I love looking at players unexpected players shine and he and he's continuing to do that um but that 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 to me was the key to the game but the most impressive thing in the game is Jameis Winston I mean you can't say uh, enough about how well he played uh in that game protecting the football of course making a bunch of off-schedule throws and smart decisions with the football um and I think if you're a Bucks fan that's that's what, that's what it should look like uh there's enough talent in this team for it to look like that um, every single week. Now, like you said, San Francisco's a little bit depleted team, uh, but it was a game they should have won, and they did. I think they went out and handled the business like they, like, like they were supposed to. The word I used before you came on with Jameis was composure, and I used it on the radio broadcast a couple of times. I was just very impressed. I mean, he's got physical tools and talent, but the composure, not getting freaked yeah. out by the rush, not doing anything crazy with the ball, that just stood out to me. What about you? I totally agree with you and yeah i think the the knock on Jameis, without question has been him trying to do too much trying to push the ball into places that he has no business doing and it's, it's frustrating you know as an analyst and you know as a still a fan of the of the team i played 16 year with uh watching him make those type of mistakes um i said in the top of our broadcast he's got to be able to mitigate them i didn't know that he would go out and completely eliminate him eliminate them which he did uh, it was impressive. Um, talking to him early in the week before the game, the one thing he said to us, and I've heard him say it a couple of times since, is I just need to be simple with the ball. And to me, being simple with the ball is not trying to be a hero with every single throw. Uh, because we know he can do it. You get, it, it, it. you get tired of talking about how talented he is. Um, but to win in the NFL, um, uh, you know this, quarterbacks have to be above-the-net players. Uh, and I thought he did a great job of being above-the-net quarterback uh, on Sunday, and it, uh, it was it was it was it was a pleasure. It was nice to watch um, watch him play the position like it really should be played. You know, uh, you mentioned Vita Vea, and you you work the preseason broadcast with Channel Eight yep. for the Buccaneer fans, and we didn't get to see Vita Vea at all, really, in training camp. Only a practice, I think, before he injured the calf, maybe two. Didn't play any preseason yep. games. Didn't play till the fourth regular season game. And look, uh, you know, I'm not going to make excuses. He has not shown up on the stat sheet. He has not made impact plays. But man, we saw him five, six, seven times in this game today. You would be better to speak to it than me here on the podcast. Sometimes you got to round into it. You got to get acclimated. It's not college football anymore. You didn't have preseason. You didn't have a training camp, Rondé. Yeah, just we'll talk to those, you know, those guys in the front office. If there was one thing about Vita that, you know, was a question mark, and this is by no means a question mark. They said he was too nice. A lot of people say he's just a nice guy. But on Sundays, I was joking with, you know, Jason Light. I was like, look, on Sunday, you can be nice outside of football. John Lynch is the nicest person I've ever been around. On Sundays, he was a maniac. You know, people don't know that I was a mean guy on Sundays. But you got to be able to get 
to that side. It was nice to see him. You talk about not showing up on the stat sheets. I mean, I was looking at his stats, getting ready for the game, just you know, perusing the numbers or whatnot. He had three tackles, three tackles and a sack. And you know, really, it, it, it's not the return that you want from a guy that you pick that highly. Um, but you know, the, the reports are out that Jason Light had a talk with them, and you know, I'm sure those those talks should stay confidential, and whatnot. But like, he went out and played with a purpose. He played forward and he played fast. Um, and that's what he is. There's not an offensive guard or tackle in the NFL or center, for that matter, that could take his direct push. He's just too heavy. He's too strong. Uh, and you saw that on Sunday. He just he ran through tackles. He did a sack. He ran right through all pro left tackle, Joe Staley. Um, you know, that, that's what you expect from that guy. And it was, it was nice to see it happen. Now, the question for Vita is, can he continue to do that? I mean, the, the, the knock on him in, in training camp preseason once he came in a little, he was a little out of shape, and then that that hurt his ability to get ready to play. And then when he started to practice, he got hurt because of it. So it's nice to see that he's actually, you know, finding his I don't know way, his his rhythm, practice wise, staying in shape, being a professional. Those things are all about being professional. Uh, and I think once you get that down as a young player, it starts to show up on the field. I have been around you for a long time. I've asked you a lot of things. I may have asked you this, but I don't remember the answer. But I think it's a great parallel to what we're talking about with Vita Vea. You came in as a rookie, and it did not click right away. But eventually it did click. And so I wonder at what point did it click and and become easier for you in Monty Kiffin and Tony Dungy's defense? How did that come about for you? Yeah, well, that's a good point you make, TJ, because – People don't really remember my first year of my 16. <laughs> they only recall the 15 really good ones. The first one was about as bad as it can be. And it, I only played one football game uh, before I played in the, the last playoff game because we had because uh, of what I had shown through the, during the course of the year. But I, I would say it was it was after I played against Arizona and played really poorly and realized that uh, I wasn't the guy that I expected was expecting of myself and i knew i had to change um and some of that was getting in better shape you know i lost some weight i came into came into camp heavy you know i don't think i was like 191 because i felt like i needed to be a bigger player to play in the nfl well it, it totally mitigated my speed and quickness and all the athleticism that made me a good player in college so you know it, it, learning how to manage myself and take care of my body i learned that pretty quick because of the failures that i had to start my career um, but it really turned me into a pro really quickly. Um, so by the end of that, that year, I had started to get I was practicing really, really well. And I remember Herm Edwards came up to me after uh, we beat Detroit in that, that playoff game that year in the divisional playoff game. Uh, I'm sorry, the wild card playoff game. He's like, you're going to be really happy this week. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Herm? I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to get ready for 1998. I kind of washed out 97. And he said, you're going to be our nickel uh, on uh, on uh, uh, against Green Bay at Green Bay. I'm like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope I'm ready, you know. And and, and I was, and it really jump started. That jump started my 1998 season, and that's when I started to make a name for myself. Started making a bunch of plays. Um, it, it takes time. I've said this many many times with young players. There's no right or wrong way to measure when you're going to be ready. Um, getting out and playing and learning on the job. Is sometimes good, sometimes it's bad. Um, you know, for me, it probably would have been bad. Uh, so I got a chance to learn how to be a pro away from live action, and it helped me. Vita's had to play since he's been back. He's had to play. He's had some injuries up there. Um, uh, he, he's had to find his way during the season while trying to really get back in shape and, and be the guy that he was at Washington. Um, so yeah, it's week twelve, and it looks like he might be that guy. I I, I have I have this. The Bucks the next two weeks, and I'm sure next week I'm gonna I'm gonna give Vita Vey in, in a meeting and just and have a conversation with him, just find out where he is and in, in his progression. And uh, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you should be excited about what you saw. But you know, it, it needs to continue. It needs to continue to progress. It needs to continue to get better uh, because, like I said, with that strength and his power, he can be a dominant defensive tackle in this league. Voice of Rondé Barber, love me some 2-0. I've always loved being around this guy, getting to do radio with him for his illustrious Buck career. No one in Buccaneer history, here I go with the roll calls, played in more games, 241 for the Buccaneers than Rondé Barber. 232 games started is the most 
47 interceptions is the most. 14 defensive touchdowns is the most from Rondé Barber. He's the only player in the history of the NFL with 45 interceptions and at least 25 sacks. So the accolades are there. The credibility is there. When this man talks, be quiet and listen, especially to defensive (laughs) football in Tampa Bay. Hey, a couple fun ones. Uh, You got notified again this week along with 24 others. You're a semifinalist for the upcoming uh, 2019 Hall of Fame class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you? Second year in a row that that has happened. It's not the finalist round. It's not ultimately getting tabbed. But what does it mean to to be one of the 25? Yeah, I I continue to say it's a process. I mean, it's nice to be in that conversation. That's what I always say. You know, people recognize you know, that, uh, what I did over 16 years and the numbers mean something and the play means something. And if people don't you know, want to talk about, you know, measuring apples, apples, oranges, oranges, apples, to oranges, whatever. Uh, I, 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 I always say, like, you can't define a player by that. Go put the film on and really see. Um, so I, I, it's, it's nice to, to know that some of those names, the Tony Gonzalez's are on there, Ed Reed's, you know, the legendary names from my playing days that, that I'm in that classification with them. And, um, yeah, I, I know it's a tough deal. Look, John Lynch has been a finalist five years in a row and hasn't got in. Uh, it's, a, it's an illustrious distinction to be named uh, to the Hall of Fame, to actually get your bust in camp. But to be, you know, one of the guys, one of the 25 guys for the second year in a row, um, is uh, it, it's an honor. I'm truly humbled by it. Um, and, you know, one day I hope it works out for me. <laughs> and I believe that it will. And Buck fans, I know, are excited. They're listening along on this podcast that just like with with Warren Sapp, with Derek Brooks, and with Coach Tony Dungy, that John Lynch and Rondé Barber deserve to be there. And someday that you will be there. So we look forward to that. Hey, I can't get used to this. And, and you have uh, probably done a couple 49er games before this mm-hmm. past Sunday. But to see John Lynch in the front office yeah. of the 49ers, I mean, I know when he when he went to Denver, now we're dating ourselves, I'm dating myself 15 years ago, I was in that yeah. visiting locker room when he came back and played the Buccaneers, and it was bizarro world because Denver had beaten yeah. the Bucs and John Lynch is playing for Denver, and he went on to have a good career with four Pro Bowls yeah. in Denver. So he had to get used to it. He wasn't a Buck anymore. But to see him walking around in a suit in the press box at Raymond James and go into the 49ers <laughs> coach's booth as the GM, it is still weird for me. Yeah. You were arm-in-arm arm with him for the better part of about 12 years together or something like that, 10, 12 years, is it still bizarre for you to look at John Lynch as the GM of the 49ers like it is for me and others? Yeah, but it, but it's good to see it, too. You know, as people, we all evolve, right? And, uh, you know, we go from being football players, and that we know how select that group is, the guys that actually get to play professional football. It's special to be able to do that. Uh, and then for him, transitioning uh, much, you know, transitioning to TV, uh, being a play by you know, being a color analyst for for Fox, uh, I followed his footsteps because he kind of told me I could probably be good at it, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it too. Um, but yeah, seeing him as a GM, it, it's just the evolution of John Lynch. I mean, it's what you'd expect from a guy. John's such a, a, a heady football guy. When I used to listen to him call games, being in the room with him too for all those years, but listening to him call games, just how he could talk football, uh, let you know his understanding of the game and the ins and outs of front office and you know personnel and all that stuff he was there already uh, he spent that those times uh, those years in denver he got to know john elway who was you know their gm ex-player obviously uh and the transition that it will require and so it wasn't surprising me when he did it um it's 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 nice to see his success to be honest with you i know he's got a long way to go with that football team he's still learning on the job so to speak um, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to, it's good to see him. Even though I know it's, it's he's not he's not Buck anymore. He's always Buck at heart. Uh, but yeah, he's just moved on with his life, and I think it's it's great. The funny the funny thing, TJ, when I was up there, uh, halftime, just go out and you know get some food or whatever, and uh, John walks out of his booth and guess who walks out right behind him? That's his booth, Derek Brooks. I'm like, what are you doing in their booth? What are you doing in their booth, Derek? You know, and they, they were just they were just catching up or whatever. And uh, uh, but it was uh, it was good. I know Derek has similar aspirations. Just, you know, having been with the with the Tampa Bay Storm or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a natural evolution of, of and not many guys get a chance to do it. But I'm glad that John's getting the opportunity to do it because I think he's 
such a good football mind that he can make that organization successful. I love it, and I love getting to talk with Rondé Barber. You've been gracious with your time. Buck fans are going to be excited. We're going to see you and hear you with Kenny Albert on the upcoming game with Carolina. Three straight home games for the Bucks. One in the win column already. Now Carolina and New Orleans coming up. We'll yeah, see three, if three home games with us too. How about Thank that? You. So <laughs> Ron, Ronde Ronde gets to to not be on the airplane, not be in the hotel. He's in the Casa de Ronde. Yeah. He's on the golf course if he wants yeah. on a day off. I mean that's good uh, for the hey, upcoming I, I, preparation I, I, on this. We love it. I I, I expect uh, like good uh, uh, vibes because I did uh, Philadelphia. It's a win. I did Cleveland. That's a win. <laughs> San Francisco, it's a win. So, I mean, while I we're taking credit for things, I'm, I'm totaling up. That's like three of the four wins. So I'm, I'm liking all of that if this, uh, if this continues and, and this rolls around. Listen, it is always a treat to talk with you. Thank you for giving me some time on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Uh, keep up the great work on the TV. And uh, we always root for Rondé Barber. Thank you, sir. Thank you, TJ. Good being with you, buddy. Always love talking to that man. And again, one of the 25 Hall of Fame finalists. We'll find out who, uh, semifinalists, we'll find out who the 15 finalists are. And then they will narrow that down to seven, maybe eight players that will go into the Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton next summer, next August. So uh, January will be the time when that gets whittled down. And then we'll find out on that vote Super Bowl weekend on who ends up going in. Of course, Ira Kaufman, the longtime writer with the Tampa Tribune, now does a bunch of different things on the Internet and also on television locally with Fox 13. Saw him as part of the postgame coverage there yesterday on Fox 13 with Scott Smith. And uh, there's Scott Smith, not Buccaneers.com, Scott Smith and Ricky Reynolds uh, talking about this Buccaneer team. Ira Kaufman is the guy that makes those presentations as the Hall of Fame voter and presenter from this market. He did that for Derek Brooks, for Warren Sapp, for Tony Dungy. He's been doing it for John Lynch as well, where Lynch played most of his career here. As we were talking about with Rondé, Lynch now with the 49ers as a GM, but his Hall of Fame candidacy is being pitched by Ira Kaufman. And I know that uh, that Ira has said to me on more than one occasion, uh, I'll do my Ira voice, he's got, hey Reeves, he's got a strong, he's got a strong case, Reeves. He's got a strong case. Rondé Barber, he definitely has a strong case. Yes, he does. And let's see what the uh, the other voters on the Hall of Fame, there's some 75 of them that are former uh, writers, uh, et cetera, and are Hall of Fame committee members that will talk about that and analyze that coming up. So uh, let's see if, if Rondé makes the cut to the final 15. John Lynch, again, has been a finalist for the last six years. Semi-finalist for the last six years, finalist for the last five years. Let's see on, uh, on his argument. Um, what ends up happening here on him being a finalist again and maybe getting into the Hall of Fame as part of that Dungey deal? Wouldn't it be special? Wouldn't it be wild if both of them somehow get put in? This guy, Not likely, with a lot of different... I mean, a year ago, you had the likes of Ray Lewis and Randy Moss and Brian Erlacher on the first ballot of the Hall of Fame. So you knew those guys were going to get most of the votes. It's, it, it's not as... Um, clear-cut, bona fide first ballot guys. So let's see what happens. Maybe Lynch gets in, maybe Barber gets in, maybe they both get in here over the course of the next couple of years. We will find out. We do know this, as we talked about with Rondé. He's sticking on the TV call with Kenny Albert for this week. We will be on the radio call with the Carolina Panthers in a rematch. Oh, looky here. Carolina, since the win over the Bucks, has lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've lost to the Detroit Lions, missing the two-point conversion. And how about the Seahawks and Russell Wilson leading a game-winning field goal drive in the final seconds? Sebastian Janikowski, the ageless kicker. Talking about a guy that's 40-plus years of age still making field goals. He beat the Panthers with a field goal yesterday where the Panthers were feeling good at 6-2. and two. They are now 6-5. and five. And hear me out here, Buccaneer fans, you want to show up, you want to be loud. I was in Charlotte on the game broadcast, and the Panther fans were going berserk and in a lot of ways making fun of our Buccaneers for an easy win. Uh, with a lot of those big plays they had, the Curtis Samuel double reverse where the Bucs couldn't tackle him. It was ugly for a lot of that game. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick rallied the Bucs and got within a touchdown in the second half. But you want the Buck fans to get there, be loud, uh, be all over Cam Newton and the Panthers. Because again, hear me out. You win this game on Sunday, you are now relevant in the playoff conversation with four weeks to go. I, I am not saying that you, uh, you basically have to win out. You're going to have to be 9-7. and seven. But you can't get to 9-7 and seven if you're not 5-7. and seven. 
To get to five and seven, you have to beat Carolina, drop them to six and six, and now you're in the conversation. Speaking of the Seahawks, with they and the Packers, and uh, over in the East with the Cowboys, uh, with the Eagles. You've got to look around here with the Atlanta Falcons, who you'll see at the very end of the year. And and again, in the South, uh, the Falcons and the Panthers are still playing each other. The Panthers and the Saints are still playing each other. Take care of business with Carolina, and now you are playoff relevant for the month of December for this game coming up with the Saints in two weeks. So that'll be the task coming Sunday. We'll be on the air at noon with our pregame coverage on Buccaneers Radio. My thanks again to Steve Carney helping me with the highlights and the interviews, Jeff Ryan, and everybody there at Buccaneers Radio and Buccaneers.com. Again, if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, whether you found it on the Buccaneers mobile app or Buccaneers.com, subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found. Look it up. Nothing But Bucks is the name of it. And this podcast, the advantage of the subscription is as soon as it is posted, through the Buccaneers mobile app, you will get a ding on your device, on your iPad, on your phone, that will let you know brand new nothing but Bucks on the Monday after these Sunday games. It's up, it's live, and you're going to get a chance to hear all of the highlights, the post-game interviews, and even special guests. My thanks to Rondé Barber again for being with me on this show. So subscribe again to Nothing But Bucks on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Play, as well as finding it on the Buccaneers mobile app and Buccaneers.com. That'll do it from uh, this matchup, this win over the 49ers. Bucks now 4-7. and seven. It'll be Carolina as the opponent for an NFC South rematch Sunday. We're on the air at noon on the Buccaneers Radio Network. 1 o'clock kickoff from Raymond James Stadium. Get out. Be in full force. Bucks try to climb off the canvas some more here. Get into the NFC playoff picture. They can do that with a win. And we look forward to talking about it next week here on Nothing But Bucks.